Macy Gage from the Tangentialist blog digs up and discusses events and experiences from her own collaged history on having a stigmatized condition known as bipolar. She relates, reflects, and refocuses it into infectiously funny anecdotes and amusing stories that will have you in stitches. Being a roaming artist, a roaming distracted artist, that reinvents and reimagines her goals constantly, this podcast takes you down a twisting rabbit hole of icons and avenues of slightly familiar yet offbeat occurrences. Join her every other week as she delves into her own bizarre memory banks, pulling out some eccentric moments that capture the intimacy on the ups and downs of this disorder lived out in her electric days of her rebellious youth. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tangentialist Podcast with Macy Gage and let's just dive right in. So I left you last episode with uh, how I had started a relationship with somebody who looked like Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins and I should stop mentioning that, I mean I guess you know that already but his name is actually Dante, it's not Billy Corgan obviously but it was just somebody he resembled which was was really, was like wow. (laughs) It was just, yeah, it was, it was really exciting. So other than that, I was, I was trying to get my way back into going to post-secondary school as I had had my car accident just the year before, just around about the year before. I was still recovering. I was doing some outpatient therapy and I was finding it quite a drag to be in the U.S. I was in Indiana with my, with my adopted parents for a while. They had gone there because of work and I really, really didn't want to be there. I just I don't know, the, the states, the, the U.S. is probably really great for so many other reasons and, and for so many, for, for most other people. But for me at that time, I was, I was just finishing high school and I really, I really just, yeah, I was, I was, you know, I had my mindset on living my life the way I wanted to and I, I, I didn't see living in the U.S. as, as part of that. So I was, I was set on getting back to Canada. Those uh, post-secondary applications that I finally had been applying to because I did end up moving in with Dante. We ended up getting an apartment together just east of, of Toronto as he was going to, to school for journalism and, and just east of Toronto, as I said. And, and yeah, so I was, I was waiting to hear back from these applications for, for college and university and such torture to have to, to sort of wait and see sort of what, what your future is going to be, just, you know, kind of waiting in the balance and uh, so I finally got the applications back. They got back to me and some were yes and some were no. Uh, the one that I was most interested in, when it finally came, the news was so good. I was just so happy that I, that I got uh, accepted. I went on after that to, uh, to hunt for an apartment as I was accepted to OCAD, Ontario College of Art and Design. And I, that's the school that I really wanted to go to out of the ones that I'd selected in Ontario. And uh, so I was, I was so elated when I, when I heard the news uh, that my, my future ship had just left the dock and I was, I, was just, I was just so excited. Unfortunately, I had to tell Dante I would have to leave him. I felt terrible about what had happened when I, when I went out to the bar uh, recently. I guess I could probably do a brief summary of that, but it is on the Tangentialist blog if you wanted to check that out. During my portfolio preparation days, I got kind of reckless again. I even drank too much at a fun little dive bar downtown and ended up going off with a musician I had met that that evening. 
We went to where his band practiced, and while we did more than make music, especially when he invited Stacy, we really didn't seem to be moving forward anyway in our relationship. And uh, I convinced myself this is part of the reason that I thought it best for us to both go our own ways. He loved me, and I didn't want to break his heart, but my disregard for our relationship and where where it seemed to be going or where it didn't even seem to be to be going at all just kind of showed that I that I didn't that I didn't really seem to care for him. I mean, I I did, but I I really didn't show it through my actions and and that's, you know, ultimately what primary reason for us for us to end things. But how he played the guitar and and sung Smith songs for me really amazed me and how he really is cute and and sort of in a gigantic celebrity sort of way. He resembled, as I said, Billy Corgan. It was just, yeah, it was just another spark that, you know, to our fizzling sort of connection. I had gone to school with his sister, and that is how we had met after my car crash in in 1997. Somehow we connected online in those early chat room days. We started dating from afar, and I would come up to Canada sometimes. And uh, that's, you know, when we decided to move in together as he was going to college, as I said, just east of Toronto. Getting a place for myself for going to OCAD was my new focus. I found one with a couple of older guys. That really should have been a hint of how unstable they were. I picked this one based on location and the price and sort of the judgment of a therapist who was sort of helping me out at the time. She thought it was okay. (laughs) Not really, but anyway, uh, it turned out to be weird as the guy in the room opposite me decided to use me as a table and let me sort of unpack that one a little bit more. I couldn't say no. Uh, he was he was kind of cute and drove a motorcycle. Not that that really has anything to do any, with anything. Yeah, I was just like, hey, this is different. This is exciting. This is, I, I don't know, I guess going along the same lines of how Jake at the time when I was, when I was, uh, what, 15 to, to 19 was, was so dangerous. But that ended up being all that was, was really exciting about this guy because he ended up making becoming sort of disappointing and strange because he wanted to do a line of cocaine on my back. And I guess I thought it was kind of a kinky thing and I didn't ask any questions when I really should have. It ended up being that that's all it was and it's sort of very disappointing and strange becoming a piece of furniture and, and the reason why I definitely put an awkwardness in the year. The rent went up as I was going into my second year. I gave notice and had to find another place to live, which if you've ever had to look for an apartment is really difficult. I ended up finding a freezing bachelor apartment in the annex area of Toronto. And I quickly left that as uh, it was freezing, as I said. I mean, like this this, uh, landlord, he never turned the heat on. And so I ended up having to buy this plug-in heater, which I left on all day. So I'm sure he, he was really glad to see me go. Yeah, so I left that apartment and I, after that, I then went to a co-op and that will definitely be another post showing how cooperatively 15 people living together can really be. (laughs) Something uh, I really became aware of when I started my university days was how incredibly lonely it, it really is. I remember my portfolio interview and how I chatted with people who were there for the very same thing. We were all our high school star students in the art department. Now we just had to impress the post-secondary institutions that we are worth it. After being selected, we just had to maintain it and continue improving 
After that, and there's the kicker that I wasn't sure I could master, I had a portfolio that showed how diverse I I was. Now I just needed to keep learning everything that was new on the horizon. This included the latest sort of tech development, the computer. And that was definitely a challenge and still is. It took me seven years to learn Illustrator. And this is such a such a laugh for everyone I, I tell it to. So pass that on. Don't get me started on Quarks Express, if anyone can remember when that was around in the early sort of desktop publishing days in graphic design. However, emotional maturity is something back then I definitely was lacking. I had no idea what motivated me to make the decisions I was making, what led me down my disaster-stricken path. How did I get there? Why was I the one who all of these events had happened to? I did like to, for a time, blame it all on Jake, as if I didn't have sort of a choice in all of this. Well, since that time, I have become more aware of these choices and, and why I made them. So I missed uh, a few points. Uh, actually, I have quite a few points. What I wanted to talk to you about in this sort of last half or sort of last section of this this episode is that I wanted to review sort of how things have been going for me as of where we are right now, <laughs> excuse me, and my sort of recollection or my explanation of, of you know, where I was as a person and and how I was geographically moving around. And I was also having my, my brain injury that just, you know, all of a sudden happened. I mean, nobody expects those sort of things. But but yeah, I was in Toronto. And uh, after I came back from the States with my parents, Bruce and Maureen, and well, after so, sort of my my relationship with Dante and and I, I got accepted at at the Ontario College of Art and Design. And well, when I got my first apartment in Toronto, well, that was kind of, as I said, it was seemed like sort of a fluke because I went with a therapist to this one of the the first apartments that we looked at back in the day when you looked in in newspapers for apartments. So that's how old I I am, and <laughs> that gives you a hint of how old I am. Uh, but. But yeah, we looked up this one that was right in the area that I was kind of looking for, that it wasn't too too far from the school. And it was sort of in the, I don't know what kind of area you'd call that of Toronto. I guess it's the, no, it's not the entertainment district. It's the, uh, I don't know, Bay Bloor, between Bay and Bloor and Bloor and Young Street. So it was, it was just this street, one street south of that and... And it was above a shop, and, and it was a three-bedroom with two guys, and that should have been a hint right there. But but it was an amazing apartment, and it had a washer and a dryer. And, and I mean, these guys seemed okay, but, I mean, it's just based on first first appearances or, or when you first meet somebody, and people are always on their sort of best behavior uh, when you first meet them, right? So that was... I guess I was really headstrong in that in that time and and going on the advice of a therapist who who seemed to think it was okay. I I I didn't think I needed anyone's help also at that time. I mean, I said I had the help of a therapist, but it was just sort of she was there and she just kind of, yeah, it's okay and I just kind of went ahead with it and um I I got this flat, right? And it, as I said, it was with the assistance of a therapist, but subconsciously, maybe I was thinking that uh my high school friends that were already in in Toronto or T dot could sort of let me lean on them sort of in a in a moral support kind of way because 
or, you know, friendly kind of way, but that kind of fell flat. But I didn't see it as that back then. They they were living, as I later did, in a, in a flat with, uh, well, no, I was in a house. It was in a, in a mansion with 15 people. They were just sort of living in a, in a regular sort of three-story uh, house, and they were living with a bunch of people. And it was like a, f- a house full of people, and they... You know, they had assignments and relationships and financial problems. And, and while well, there I was sh- sort of showing up unannounced. And that probably was sort of the nail in the coffin right there uh, for our relationships. But, but back then, though, I didn't think of it. Uh, I didn't think of it like this at all. I was, I was still lost in the clouds trying to sort of make sense of my own sort of misunderstood situations including, you know, the demands from school and roommates and landlords and classmates and, and you know, my sort of mixed up family sort of situation. But at the time, I was seeming more and more, my family anyway, was seeming more and more distant. And definitely Adriana was living in sort of the Guildwood area of Toronto, which is sort of just on the eastern sort of side, almost on the outside of, of Toronto sort of right on the edge. And Bruce and Maureen were still in, in the U.S. They were still in Indiana. But they were telling us that they were going to be coming back soon. And so it was it seemingly very fragmented, but it was just, I was trying to make sense of that. And then I and then I, I was going to school. I was trying to figure out where I fit in there. And it was just, but then I had this notion, you know, that I'm fine. I don't need anybody, even though I obviously did. <laughs> the insights for this episode is if it seems too good to be true, then it probably is. If situations upon your reflections sort of look a little too rosy, you have to sort of step back and and don't jump right in. Just ask some questions, do a little bit of research. It can't hurt. And also, it is definitely okay to be overwhelmed. And you just need to find a healthy outlet, like jogging, stretching, or maybe even playing video games or playing an instrument. Anyway, thank you, Glorious Humanoids, for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Subscribe, like, and share these podcasts as I will get into more of a breakdown of how this troubled individual turned traumas into triumphs. And this is what I will go into great deal with in the next episode as I take you down another rabbit hole of my heady days of my rebellious youth, tripped up by disorder. Thank you, Glorious Humanoids, for tuning in. Folding up these anecdotes, I express them to you and I give them for you to enjoy and consider as I reflect and remodel and re-engage what the future has for me on these social platforms. See you next time on The Tangentialist. (laughs) 